0: Good morning, glad to see you all. If you would turn into your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, while you're turning there, I wanted to make a confession, I don't know how many people uh, share this thing that I do fairly often, more often than I think I should, Um, have you ever walked over to the refrigerator, then opened up the refrigerator and then said, why did I come here? You know what I'm saying? Or you get in the car and you're driving and you realize that you just got to work or wherever you were going and you don't remember the minutes in between. You know what I'm talking about? You go on autopilot and you forget. Like I don't even remember stopping at that stoplight. And another weird thing that I do sometimes, I love movies. That's why the coronavirus has been one of the worst things. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why coronavirus is one of the worst things. But one of the reasons not being able to go see movies. One of my favorite types of movies is the secret agent story, and specifically James Bond. And I would find myself doing this weird thing after um, coming out of a James Bond movie or anything that has like espionage and spy stuff is when I would walk out of the theater. First, you, you know, your eyes are blinded by the sun. But when you walk out of the theater, then I would like almost feel like I was a secret agent, like I would get in the car and I was like looking, is anyone trying to come get me? You know what I'm saying? Because I've been in this culture, I've been in these, this movie, and then I walk out and I still for a while feel like I'm still in this movie. And I'll start driving and the, the car starts to speed, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I driving like this as an Aston Martin? I mean, this is a, you know, this is a Chevy. Yeah, nothing against Chevy. Sorry. Why am I saying all that? I think I have a sneaky suspicion that we in the American church and the Western church, we need to wake up. I think we're on autopilot as people. And seeing the events that have been going on in Afghanistan personally, have been like smelling salts for me, to go, oh, wait, I get to freely gather with brothers and sisters and worship. I don't even think about it. But there are others who, when they gather, they're hunted down and slaughtered. And it's almost like we go to church and we read the Bible and we do these things, and it's like going to the refrigerator and not remembering, Why am, what, what am I doing? I think what the Father wants to say this morning is we need to wake up. Especially with a flannel graph story like Daniel in the lion's den. It's so easy to be like, yeah, in the lion's den. No big deal. No, a very big deal. We need to wake up. We have brothers and sisters who are currently in lion's dens right now. So we need to wake up. So, I want to push back against autopilot Christianity in my life and in yours. I was listening to uh, to some Iranian missionaries. The husband is Iranian. The wife is actually from Cincinnati. They were sharing their story. (laughs) This is in, of course, Iran. And they were sharing their story that they were called up to the basically the Supreme Court of that city that they were in, and they couldn't tell us what city, and they really couldn't even tell us their name. And they were standing in front of the judge, and the judge has like a pen in his hand, and in that pen he could just sign death warrants for these two, the Cincinnatian and her husband, the Iranian. Because they've been sharing the gospel and people were coming to faith, and and a church was gathering, and they were worshiping together, and the judge said, I've heard what you've been doing, so come here, we wanna talk. And this Iranian, I watched him, I was at a conference, I'm watching him while he's describing this situation. And he stands there, as I'm watching, and he goes, and I'm standing there in front of the judge, he has a pen, if he signs, my head is, I'm dead, I'm done, and my wife, and my kids. And he's standing in front of the judge, And he hears the father say to him. This is what the father says to him. I want you to share my love with the judge. And and he goes, in his mind, he's going, why would I do that? I'm potentially going to be executed for doing the very thing that I'm being asked to do. And this Iranian believer I'm watching him. He's telling this story. And he says, and then I asked the father, I said, why do you want me to do this? This is what the father said. Because I want that judge to know that I love him. And so he shared. And clearly survived because he was telling me the story. And I've heard others, they mentioned this, and I've heard others who serve in environments that are very persecuted. They come to America, and this is what they say about being here. It's so great. It's so free. The problem is the church has been listening to the satanic lullaby. And so they want to go back because they don't want to be listening to the satanic lullaby that's here. They would rather go back where it's possible to be beheaded for freedom and worship than to stay here where the church is listening to this lullaby. Are you all hearing me this morning? I I keep hearing the Father say, tell tell my church to wake up. To wake up. We're in a series called Exiles Seeking a Home. And this morning we're looking at Daniel in the Lion's Den from Daniel chapter 6. So let's move right into this message Daniel in the Lion's Den, Daniel chapter 6. This, I'm basically just gonna walk through the story. It's in four parts, this story. Part one is the trap, that's the first nine verses. Part two, the prophet himself, verses 10 to 15. Then we're looking at the den verse 16 to 24, and then finally, the praise, verses 25 to 28. Four parts. Let me pray. We're going to go after the text. Father, we honor you here in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a speaking, communicating Father. And I ask now that you would help us to understand your word. Would you give us insight and wisdom and understanding of this story with one of the guys you love, Daniel? And Jesus, we honor you here in this place. I ask ask that you would help us have eyes for you alone. And Holy Spirit, you are the presence of the Father and the Son here in this place. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would wave spiritual smelling salts in our noses this morning. And help us to see Jesus in the word. And we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Part one of the story, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Let's look at the text together. Daniel 6, verses 1 to 9. It says, it pleased Darius. Now, if you remember, Dennis was preaching two weeks ago. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were dealing with a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon at the time. What happens between chapters 3 and chapter 6, where we're at right now, is that the Babylonians have lost power, the Persians have come, Cyrus the Persian has come and has taken over Babylonian rule, so now. Daniel and all the exiles are now under Persian rule. So this is a different king than we were looking at in the fiery furnace. Everybody with me right now? So it's a different king. There's actually a lot of of discussion, a lot of theological academics love this about Darius. I'm not even going to get into it, but just so that you know, there's a lot of theologians talking about Darius. Anyway, last thing I want to say about that is, (laughs) sorry, one last thing. It's so interesting to me, Cyrus, and they say Medes and Persians, when the Medes and Persians came, by the way, Medes and Persians, their, their rule extended past Afghanistan and into Indi- almost to the border of India. So everything that we're hearing about, Iraq, obviously, is Babylon, Iran, Persia, and then Afghanistan into The rest of the area that the Persians were ruling. So just so that we're on the same page. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. So he's establishing this rule and now he's just setting all of these governors in these areas. Over these governors there were three presidents of whom Daniel was one. So you have these governors everywhere and then he's got three sort of ruling guys that are going to control and govern all the governors over this entire vast kingdom that stretched really almost from Egypt to India. And one of these three presidents was Daniel to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps. Because an excellent spirit, somebody say excellent. Excellent. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. This isn't the first time we've seen this this, uh, description of Daniel. We see it earlier in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 5, and Nebuchadnezzar is talking about Daniel and says he has an excellent spirit within him. Actually, it was the queen, actually, that said this. This is Daniel 5, verse 11. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. She says the spirit of the gods is in this one. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him, He had an excellent spirit, verse 12, an excellent spirit. And she defines this as knowledge, understanding how to interpret dreams, how to explain riddles, how to solve problems. He was a wise, wise man. But even in this culture, there was something supernatural about Daniel. He had an excellent spirit within him. And it's so funny to me. It keeps going. (laughs) Verse 4. Because there's nothing like having a politician with an excellent spirit and then having other jealous politicians. Look at verse four. Then the presidents and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint or any fault. He was a squeaky, clean politician. Can you imagine? They could find no fault. No error, no fault was found in him, verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. They're not going to catch him. They're not going to catch any skeletons in the closet. They realize they're jealous of him. They don't want him to be ruling. They realize the only way we can trap him, it's not going to be through any sort of political maneuvering. It's going to be in connection to the way he worships his God. Let's keep going with the text. Verse 6, Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king. Came by agreement to the king. And said to him, O King Darius, who lives forever, all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, the governors, have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, Persians which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Two practical things for us in this text. Number 1. The supernatural power of God was with Daniel And the supernatural power of God was with him in such a way that it was actually blessing the people that he was around. It was, the supernatural power of God was flowing through Daniel in such a way that the king of Persia was like, you know what, this guy, I want him to be like the third vice president in my entire kingdom. It sounds like Joseph a little bit, doesn't it? And with Joseph, the Bible regularly says the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him. That the fact that Joseph was advancing through the ranks, the reason in the Bible was the Lord was with him him. So I want you to to see in this text, the supernatural power of God was flowing through Daniel, even in a pagan space, and it was blessing those that he was serving. And the practical thing is this, the same is to be true of us. That wherever we work, wherever we go, the places, the spheres of influence that are in our life, we are to be blessing those around us, specifically those above us, because of the supernatural power of God within us. Like when you go to work, it's not really going for, to just get a check. It's actually, I'm going to be a blessing to my supervisor. I'm going to be a blessing to those that are around me. You say, even the ones that don't follow Jesus? Yeah, huh, exactly. Especially. You, now you may say to me, well, Jamie, Daniel's like a, a different Kind of guy, like he's a prophet. You can't, you can you can't expect me. Like I'm just going to work, man. I'm, not, you know, I don't have an excellent spirit within me. I, I'm not going to be dreaming dreams and solving riddles. I, I, I'm not Daniel. You know what's crazy about being in the new covenant? You remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist? Remember that John the Baptist was the greatest Old Testament prophet. he said, and even the least in my kingdom is greater than he. <laughs> and you say, well, how can we be greater than Old Testament characters? We are, we, are, we are not greater than Old Testament characters. We have a greater covenant than Old Testament characters. Further, we have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. Well, so when it says Daniel had an excellent spirit, guess what? You and I have more than his excellent spirit. We have the indwelling spirit of the living God within us. And, he, and that spirit doesn't leave like he did for Old Testament characters. Remember, Samson gets his hair cut, the spirit leaves. Listen, if I go to great cuts, the spirit of God does not leave me. Listen, if I sin egregiously, the spirit of God does not leave me. This is one of the benefits of the new covenant. Let let me say something to you right now. By the spirit of the living God, by faith in Christ, you have an excellent spirit within you. In fact, in the fall, we're going to be looking through spiritual gifts And we're going to talk exactly about what does it look like to walk in the excellent spirit that I have been given. Don't don't shortchange Monday morning at work because your excellent spirit, the spirit of the living God, wants to come and impact your work. Don't shortchange Monday. Monday could be a great day. It's one practical. Second practical with regard to waking up. I just want to say this, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Do you know that we have an enemy, and the enemy hates you? Did you know that? There's an actual an enemy. His name is Satan, and he hates you. He doesn't just hate you. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill your family. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill everything about you. He cannot stand looking at you. He is ready to trap every single one of us all the time. Why am I, why am I stressing this? Because sometimes we walk around in like North America and we're like, this is so great. Sunflowers everywhere. Did you know that the enemy hates you? You know, there's, there's these conniving These governors that were conniving against Daniel. The enemy is is conniving against you. Peter says, Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Jesus said, The world hates you. And I'm just saying this just so we can all just wake up a little bit that you have an enemy. Who is actively, like I'm thinking about my kids, I'm thinking about Jess. There's an enemy who is actively wants to destroy my family. Of course, greater is the one who is in me than this one. So just be aware. Be aware. Part two. That's the trap. Let's look at the prophet. This is verses 10 to 15. Let's look at the prophet himself. Let's read together in the text. This is verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, so this is a document that says nobody can pray for a straight month, for 30 days, nobody can pray to any other God or any other man except for the king. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel does exactly what Daniel has been doing his entire life. Do you see it in the text? It says, he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So Daniel is not flaunting something because of the injunction, right? Right? He he doesn't start opening the windows like very flamboyantly, like, you're going to sign this thing? Look at me. He doesn't do that. He also doesn't hide and keep the windows closed, right? He neither flaunts nor hides. Daniel does what he always does. It's important that we see that. Daniel does what he always does. Prayed three times a day. Now, some people have said, okay, so that means, okay, so that means that that must be a law. Like the Bible must say we should be praying three times a day. Did you know the Bible doesn't say anywhere command us anywhere to pray three times a day? In fact, some passages say you should pray seven times a day, or seem to imply that. There's a psalm that says morning, noon, and night, which is probably where Daniel got this. But then you got New Testament writers that we should say we should pray without ceasing. Then you got Jesus who says pray like this. There's a lot of conversations about prayer in the Bible, and actually I think there's that's because there's a lot of freedom with regard to prayer. The reason I'm pointing this out is it might be tempting of us to go, okay, okay. I'm going to get real serious now three times a day. No, no, no. Daniel just does what Daniel's been doing is my point. Listen, just to get practical, don't wait till persecution comes to start having rhythms of grace. Don't wait. Don't wait for something to happen. Then You know what? I, I should probably be reading the Bible. Don't wait for something to happen and they'd be like, you know what, I should, I should bring this to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> I better start praying. No, no, no. It's what he's already been doing. He's been in prayer. Keep going. Verse 11. Then these men came by agreement. That phrase there has happened twice now. Have you noticed it? The men came by agreement. First time is when they came to the king, they came by agreement. It's a really interesting, it's actually just one, this is an Aramaic word in this specific text. One Aramaic word, and it refers to a group getting together for a particular purpose. And because of the context, listen to me, the picture of that word is like a gang that's wanting to get something done, and it's usually not very good. This is premeditated, we're going to get Daniel. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is a a group that's like getting together. They're like, you know what, we need to get this guy. And in the text, it happens three different times. Verse 6, verse 11, verse 15. These guys are hunting down. They're, they're, They're coming after Daniel. They came by agreement. Let's keep going. Verse 12, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, can you just hear it? Daniel. Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these kings came by agreement, there it is again came by agreement to the king and said to the king, know this, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Two very practical things in this text. Number one, don't wait until persecution comes to get your rhythms. I mentioned that already. And I just want to say something. It's striking to me. That Daniel would rather be eaten by lions than not worship and pray. Let me say that again. Daniel would rather be eaten by lions than worship and pray. And I'm over here like, I don't have time to read my Bible today. And I've just been thinking about this because, you know, as a a pastor, as a preacher, it's easy to take this text and be like, that's why you should read every day, right? That's why you should be praying. It's easy to do that. But I I got thinking about that. You know what won't survive in persecution? Checking off a box by doing some random discipline won't survive in persecution. Like if I've just got a box to check for 15 minutes a day to pray or read the Bible, that ain't gonna survive when someone's like, you wanna get eaten by a lions, or you wanna do this little thing that's on this box that you check? That means whatever Daniel was doing was very different than the box that gets checked because I did my thing. I think it's because these are disciplines, yes, but they are relational disciplines with the God of the universe. The reason it's not check the box or get eaten by lions, I think I'll just, you know, <laughs> The reason he's able to do that is because his relationship with Yahweh is greater than being eaten by lions. It's not the reading of the Bible, it's not the praying three times a day, it's the God you get to be with when you do these things. So go ahead and start now, friends. I don't care if you read 15 minutes a day. I don't care if you read 15 hours a day. I don't care if you pray every single second of every day. Whatever you do, make sure you are practicing the presence of Jesus when you do it. Like when you come to the text, I'm looking for Jesus here because only Jesus' love and power will sustain me through lions or whatever. Reading words on a textbook will not survive in persecution. But my relationship with Jesus Abba and the Holy Spirit, that connectivity, it will survive. So ask yourself, what are my relational rhythms? And are they so life-giving that I'd rather be eaten by lions than give them up? Second very practical thing here. It's been, I've already mentioned this, but it's been so difficult for me to read this text and not to see Afghanistan brothers and sisters in my mind while I'm reading the text. So I just want to call us as a church family to fast and pray and give to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. This Wednesday, I'm going to ask the entire church family to fast and to pray for our brothers and sisters. And then I'm going to invite everybody who wants to come, to come right here at 7 o'clock Wednesday night, and we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. From believers in Afghanistan sharing what's happening Here are just a couple of things. The Taliban has a hit list of known Christians in the area. They are targeting them to pursue them and to kill them. Believers are fleeing to the hills. Those who are known are fleeing to the hills. What's awesome about disciple-making movements is that you have leaders, and you have those leaders that are discipling other people. And there are groups of these other people that aren't known by the Taliban. And guess what's happening? The leaders are leaving, and these who have been discipled, They're not on the list. You know what they're doing? They're staying and discipling because the Taliban doesn't know. I'm just trying to watch my words because we're excited about food trucks. We're just trying to get people to come to some food trucks while believers who know their name is not on the list are like, let's get together and worship and pray because Jesus is worth it. That's why I think the Father is saying, "Wake up!" And He's loving about it. He's not, you know, He's not like Jamie. <laughs> he's loving. He's like, "Wake up! Wake up! Come to me!" You got the satanic lullaby in your ear. Wake up and come to me. So let's take a couple moments and just pray. These are specific prayer requests for those that are in the lion's den right now. Number one, pray for those fleeing to the hills to be protected. Number two, pray for miraculous protection for women and children being forcibly taken and those that have already been taken for their protection, salvation, and deliverance. And number three, pray that the Afghan church would step into her identity in Christ and walk in unity with the Holy Spirit. So can we just take a few moments and pray right now? And I'll remind you of these prompts. I'm just going to give us 30 seconds on each of these to just pray. Just pray silently or out loud, however you feel led. I'll guide us through this. Father, we we hear this call to prayer from our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We acknowledge that there are many all around the world. That are suffering persecution. But we direct our attention specifically to those in Afghanistan. And we pray first for those who are fleeing to the hills and escaping that they would be protected. Hear our prayers. Secondly, Father, we pray for the protection of women and children that have been taken and that those that are under threat of being taken, Father, we pray for their protection. Father, that you protect their minds and their hearts and their bodies. Hear our prayers. And finally, Father, we pray for the entire Afghanistan, the Afghan church, that they would step into their identity, that they would know their identity in you, Jesus, and that they would walk in unity by your Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers. And all God's people said, amen. All right, let's move on to the text. The den, this is part three, the actual den, verses 16 to 24. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. It's funny, the king really didn't want, in fact, earlier in the text, The Bible says that the king was trying to figure out like a loophole to his own edict. (laughs) Couldn't find one. But he was really working on all day, it said. Then he says to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you, even though I'm executing you. May your God deliver you. Verse 17, and a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Does anyone hear signet and a stone and think about anything else in the the Bible? Like, it's hard for me to read it and not, the stone over the tomb, the signet was placed. Tomb of Jesus. Verse 18, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Verse 19, then at break of day, I, I, I just hear the gospel here, <laughs> right? The beginning of the day. At break of day, just like the women running to the garden tomb, at the break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. Now he's confessing Yahweh as the living God. (laughs) Has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel." And shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. There's a picture of uh, a painting of this scene I wanted you guys to see. An Italian artist, I should have written his name down because I've already forgotten what it was. I will figure that out in the end, make sure to share it with you. Do you see? Look at the faces of these lions. (laughs) How about that one second from the left? I mean, that lion is seeing something that she doesn't want to have anything to do with. You all see that? When I see this picture, I almost picture... This person that's been sent standing back off, off scene behind Daniel. And the lions are looking at Daniel, but it's almost like the lions are looking at the one who is behind Daniel. And it's interesting the language of the text my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, sent his angel, that phrase is the exact same way Nebuchadnezzar talked about the angel in the furnace. This is no angel. This is, in fact, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus has, in fact, come and shut these lions' mouths. Cracks me up. The king was fasting all night, and the lions were fasting all night too. <laughs> now, you might say, and and uh, biblical critics that uh, criticize the supernatural events of Scripture and say, "Yeah, it's not real." You could say, "Well, maybe they were full, or maybe Daniel went in there and drugged them, right, so they wouldn't eat him when he fell in." Well, we know that's not true because of what happens next. Verse 23, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No no singeing, no smell of fire was on them. Because he had trusted in his God. Verse 24. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So clearly they weren't stuffed already. Clearly they weren't drugged. Because those who were trying to tap, trap Daniel lost their lives. Some people object to the violence of this, and I think that's true. It is violent. But you've got to remember, in this Persian culture, that's normal. It says more about the Persian culture that they're in than it says about what God condones or doesn't condone. Anyway, that's a different sermon. Part four, and we'll end. The praise, verses 25 to 28 then king darius wrote to all the peoples nations and languages that dwell in all the earth from egypt to india <laughs> this persian kingdom everybody gets this letter this isn't like the village of marymont town crier for these people right here it said all peoples nations languages that dwell in all the earth and he's referring to their kingdom there Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. <laughs> he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He will, his dominion will last forever. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. A couple of things very practically. Just one thing. Every knee will bow to Jesus. As foreshadowed in this text. The, the Gentile king response To the saving work of God in Daniel's life foreshadows the Gentile response to the saving work of Christ on the cross. Anytime you see Gentile kings, pagan kings bowing, Nebuchadnezzar does it multiple times, Darius, Cyrus, they bow down. It foreshadows what is coming. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Looking at these parallels of Jesus in the text, Jesus was falsely accused by those who were jealous of him, the Jewish leaders, right? Just like Daniel. Jesus was arrested while praying in a private place, the Garden of Gethsemane, just like Daniel. Pilate tried to get out of killing Jesus multiple times, just like Darius spent all day trying to figure out how to not get Daniel killed. Pilate was like, I gotta figure this out, and eventually gave in to peer pressure and political pressure. Jesus shut the mouths of those lions for Daniel, but in his own life, Jesus shut the mouth of the enemy himself by dying. You see, he saved Daniel by shutting the lion's mouth, but actually when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he shut up the accuser for you and me. You see, the accuser can only come to us and say, look at what he did. Look at what she did. She doesn't deserve your love, God. And God goes, yeah, you know, that's true. But my son came to die in their place as if he had done what they had done. And then he is slaughtered for that sin, your sin and my sin. He is slaughtered and put down and killed for us. And he's in the ground for three days. There's a stone and a signet saying, he's not getting out. That stone, early daybreak, is rolled away. Jesus comes out and disarms the enemy. He shuts the mouth of Satan in your life. By grace, through faith. Listen, don't worry about lions, You need to worry about your own heart before the Father. And the way I deal with that, and you get to deal with that, Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but through me, my life, my death, my burial, my resurrection, he says. You want to survive lions? Forget the lions. You should worry about Yahweh himself, the Father himself. He says, you want to come to me? Put your faith in my Son who came to die for you. And I will shut the mouth of the accuser in your life. That's why we praise Jesus. That's why Darius praised him. Signs and wonders. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. That's why we come together and we sing together. Because he is a rescuer and a deliverer. When I'm not ready to worship Jesus, it's because I forgot that he is my rescuer and deliverer. When I, when I come in, I'm like, oh, we're doing that song. No offense, Anna. If we're doing that song, it wasn't this week. If we're doing that song, you know, you know what this means? We're doing that song. He's preaching that way. This means I have forgotten the good news. Because it really doesn't matter what song is planned. It really doesn't matter what Jamie or Dennis or anyone else is going to say. Jesus has died and was raised again for you and me. So we get to celebrate him. It doesn't matter. We can sing Jesus Love Me Acapulco right now and worship him. The pagan king can't handle it. He's like, everybody in my kingdom needs to worship this God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The band is going to come up after I said all that. The band is going to come up and we're going to close. We're going to sing one final song. Also, the Lord's Supper tables are going to be available. We'll also have prayer teams. But I want you to ask yourself, have I woken up from this satanic lullaby? And if not, what am I going to ask Jesus to do about that? And she asked the question, would I rather have Jesus or would I rather be eaten by lions than be around Jesus? And we're going to sing a song entitled, Lord, I Need You. And I want to encourage you to take this time to sing these words of confession and asking the Holy Spirit to change our hearts as we sing. And I invite you to come to the table. You know, this table was established, the Bible says, in each of the Gospels, when it talks about this, the Bible says, on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread. The table itself reminds us again of the cost of your sin and mine on Jesus. It reminds us again that we need him. And coming to the table is another reminder to our own minds and our own hearts to say to the enemy, I will not be satisfied with the American dream that you are whispering in my ear right now. And I will not be lulled into thinking that my life is greater than the life of Jesus or my life is greater than the life of my brother or sister. I will not be lulled into thinking that being a part of the body is about my comfort and my security. So I invite you to come to the table. For the body of Jesus is broken for us, blood of Jesus is shed for us and we partake and we remember again. Let's stand while I pray for us. Jesus, we honor you here in this place. We ask that you would help us to see you. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our ears to the glory of Jesus here in this place. Help us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship him. Some that are being prayed for right now, if you still want prayer, the prayer teams will stay. I'll be here as well. I do want to remind you, Lou Wilson, who this is her last Sunday, she's going to be right here in the lobby. Uh, oh, she's actually right here, sweet one. Um, we're going to pray for Lou at the end of the second service, but I just want to make sure that you know that she's here to give her some love um, as on this last Sunday. We love you. Yeah, yeah. Let me read this scripture as our benediction and then we'll be dismissed. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God. Who justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate Afghani believers from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, no. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and all God's people said. Amen. You are dismissed. Be at peace. Be at peace.